Hey, what's going on? This is Lewis Shine. Hey, welcome to my podcast. I'm so excited with this being my first episode. And so definitely going to dive right into this. Um, it's been something that I wanted to do for a long time. And, you know, throughout coaching and, you know, being so busy with the game um, on the sideline and in the office and, and things of that nature, you, you can't really branch out like you want to um, into the culture because you're so busy uh, with your own culture of your team. And so, you know, now that I'm not coaching, I've stepped away from the game. Um, I feel like I have a chance to, um, again, like I, I did before I was coaching, to to jump out into the culture uh, with coaches, with athletes, with teams. And um, I'm very, very excited about where I am. So um, before, you know, I go into many more episodes, which will include special guests, which will include talking about different topics. Um, I want to take this episode, this first episode to, um, you know, touch base with my listening audience about who I am um, so that, you know, once you know who I am, then you can kind of get a, a clearer picture um, as to um, where I'm coming from with some of the topics that I'll be talking about, um, as well as the grind. Um, as well as bringing certain people on to talk about different things. I think that having a foundation of who you're listening to will give you a better understanding about where a person is coming from. And so that's why I wanted to take this first episode just to kind of talk about myself and my journey with basketball, because this podcast will we'll talk about a lot of things. But the main um, ingredient of this podcast will be athletics and primarily basketball. We may um, journey off into some other sports or have some different guests from some other sectors of sectors of life. But my main thing will be basketball because that's the main thing um, that has been um, prevalent in my life um, in terms of my journey with sports. So, um, you know, I hope that this is a something that's enjoyable, entertaining to um, you all who are listening, uh, as well as um, I hope that you get something from it and you can take away from um, the things that are talked about and the people that actually come on to be my special guests, that you could take something away from it and apply it to your real life, whether you're an athlete or you're a coach or whoever you might be listening. So um, <clears throat> let's get started. Um, you know, a lot of you all follow me on social media. And so um, I talk about a lot of things on there and um, I put a, a, a recent video um, not too long ago, right after I stepped down from coaching um, back at the end of September, I put a video out there talking about my basketball journey. And so I want to kind of go over some of those things again. Um, my basketball journey started um, at a young age. Uh, I couldn't tell you exactly what age, but I know I was um, around that kindergarten head start range where I grew up in the city of Chicago. And you know, I was so young that um, I was kind of in touch with basketball, but I didn't understand it, of course, like I understand it today. And so uh, I used to get Wheaties boxes and I saw Michael Jordan on the Wheaties boxes. And so, you know, Nike Air and the Air Jordan, like all of that was just already um, inserted in the culture in Chicago. So I know who Michael Jordan was and um, I know him being on a Wheaties box was just a, a really big deal. Um, and even getting the Wheaties boxes and, and boxes and getting rookie cards and different things in there, I, I didn't quite understand what that was back at the time, because if so, I would have kept some of those boxes and uh, I would have kept some of those uh, cards. But I didn't quite understand what that meant. So seeing Michael Jordan back then, um, it wasn't 
I was watching games and understanding what he was doing, but I knew who he was because he was famous and, you know, pretty much the face of Chicago sports at the time, um, as well as the Chicago Bears um, winning a Super Bowl back in the 85, 86 era. Um, And so I knew what Michael Jordan stood for back then, but just the significance of who he was and actually what he was doing with the game of basketball, uh, it started to grow a little bit as I began to understand. And so not too long after that, um, seeing Michael and just being a little kid, drawing pictures of Michael Jordan in my classroom, you know, we, we knew the star power that he held, but I started to understand the game, I would have to say around the third grade, um, I had an opportunity to uh, move to California um, and live with my dad for several years. And so dad was a basketball junkie as well. And that dad was a diehard Laker fan. And so um, being a diehard Laker fan, uh, you know, he Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson and Byron Scott, James Worthy, like he was already immersed in that culture being um, you know, a basketball fan and living in Cali. And so once I got there, you know, dad, he pulled me um, into that culture as well from a young age. Um, I mean, even before the third grade, when I actually lived with him and went to school in California, I used to go and visit him um, in the summer times in the years before that. And so he he started to kind of baptize me in that Laker culture back then. So when I was in the third grade, I can remember times where we would go to basketball games. Uh, We would go to the Great Western Forum and watch the Laker games. And uh, we would also go to the L.A. Sports Arena where we would go to Clipper games. And I can remember tickets back then being like $5, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I can remember that. But we would get good seats. And and so I also can remember, you know, times of going to the the Memorial Coliseum and watching Raider games and sitting behind Magic Johnson and, and watching Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen like that we were we were all in that LA culture and so um he would you know show me so many things back then I can remember times being in the living room um as a third grader and dad would sit me down and put in Laker Laker tapes and literally uh I would he would show me what the Lakers we were having a very own film session with a Laker game, um, he was showing me different things that Magic was doing and why he was doing it. And then he was showing me different things Kareem was doing. And he was showing me how Magic Johnson could go up and down the court. And this is third grade, y'all, but he would show me how Magic was going down the court and he could do anything with both hands. And so, you know, because of that, dad would take me out in the driveway and we would do things with both hands, like, you know, layups. I would go, you know, two minutes of layups going right and then two minutes of layups going left. And he made it a staple in my mind that I want you to be able to do everything that um, you know how to do with both hands. And so he put that into me at a young age. And and so we were in the living room just watching Laker games and um, he was showing me what what Byron Scott was doing and how high Byron Scott gets on his jump shot and how his release was and how he runs the wing with his hands ready for the catch. And so literally there were times in the third grade that I would go to, uh, I think it was Rialto Park Middle School. Uh, we lived in Colton, but we would go over to Rialto to school. And so um, in Cali and a lot of schools out there, um, especially at the uh, the younger grades, you play outside. And so um, literally at recess, I would go and play outside and I would have a, a T-shirt with the uh, sleeves off. And I would draw number four on the back. And so I went to school as Byron Scott that day because I've been watching Byron Scott and I've been excited and I wanted to emulate him. And so I would go to school and, and work on what Byron, I saw Byron Scott was doing even in the third grade. And so those were my my earlier years. And that's how I got introduced into basketball. And so that went throughout 
third, fourth, um, fifth grade, um, sixth grade, seventh grade in California. Um, and so also got a touch of football at the time. I got a chance to play football in the sixth and seventh grade. Um, but basketball was prevalent. It was the number one thing for me. So, um, in the eighth grade, fast forward a little bit, um, we moved to Ohio. That's where my dad's from. And so we moved to Ohio and that's where I began to get a, a taste of AU basketball and, and the Midwest basketball culture. And so, um, came there, um, had a chance to play in the eighth grade and that's when my game really took, took, went to another level because I had an amazing coach by the name of coach Gerber. Um, he really brought that fight out of me. I mean, he would have us in practice running 16s and 17s and, and we had to make it in a minute. And this was like eighth grade. And so I had never experienced any kind of running like that. And so it really pulled the fight out of me in me. And it made me really like want to like go after things because when you get challenges set in front of you in practice like that and you have to make them in order to play or you have to make them in order to move on to the next thing because the coach isn't moving if you, unless you make it like it brought something out of me, um, like a fight, like a vigor, like a, a work hard, a level of working hard that I've never known. Um, and, and to add that to the knowledge of basketball that I had, you know, I became a successful player, um, even in the eighth grade. And so, um, my grit was at another level, um, and my talent just came along to match that. And so I learned, and then that summer after the eighth grade was my first year of, uh, uh, AAU basketball. So I got a chance to travel and participate in AAU practices and different things like that for the first time ever. Um, and I can remember during that time, it was a big deal to be dunking, like, that to dunk is like a major thing. And so there was a major emphasis on that. And so one of the things that um, I would do all the time is toe raises, running heels, uh, jumping rope. Like I would do my toe raises between commercials, watching my favorite shows and different things like that because we wanted to dunk. And um, that summer of the eighth grade going into the ninth grade, I had my first dunk in AU practice. And so um, that was just one of those feats that as a young player you're you're excited to be able to do and so uh went into high school um you know my my favorite thing was to to play ball and so my grades my grades never uh, uh faltered only because my parents they were parents that really didn't play that like hey you better take care of your grades or we cutting out everything you know so they were always on top of me um with my academics. So that, that was something I never even worried about because I just love school. And I, I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I did what I needed to do in the classroom. So I wouldn't have to, uh, holler at mom or dad when I, when I went home, you know what I'm saying? So, um, took care of that, but basketball, man, I spent a lot of time. I mean, I can remember days where, you know, going back and forth to high school, I had the strength shoes and if any old heads are listening to this podcast, you know, the strength shoes were a big deal. Um, strength shoes for you that don't know what they are. They're like a, almost like a, a Kmart looking tennis shoe, but they have like a platform on the bottom. And so you're actually always walking, um, you know, the way it's made to where you're on your toes. And so it's at the same time, it's strengthening your calf muscles and it's strengthening your legs to be able to jump. And so, you know, once I got to Ohio, you know, I got introduced to a guy that's almost like a father figure to me. His name is Greg Radar Williamson, um, tier one sports on social media. Um, I got a chance to start being around him. And, and so he was training me and him and his wife took me in as, as like their very own. So I would like live over their house almost. And sometimes I would be over there a long time and and had the opportunity to 
just work out with him like these strength shoes. And so uh, we would do jump workouts and um, him and my cousin, Clay Tucker, which played pro ball for um, several years, played at the um, he's in the Hall of Famer at the University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we would do these workouts. And, and I found myself just being infatuated with these workouts. And, and so to the point where I would run from my house with my strength shoes, I would run to school with them. When I got in my locker, I take them out and put them in my locker take them off and put them in my locker. And then after that, um, school, go to practice, get done with practice, put my strength shoes back on, run home, do my homework, put my strength shoes back on, run to the Y, work out at them, and then run home with them. I mean, I was serious. You know, the culture that was created in Lima, Ohio at the time, as far as us hoopers, we were serious. We were trying to make it. We were trying to be the best. So there were times where after we've done all of that, then we would go to Rob Park um, and, and some of the parks they would have there. And we would literally play outside all day. And, and we got to be home when the lights come on and, and, and barely making it home with the light when the lights came on. So but we loved basketball that much. Like we were a culture to where where you heard the the, the NBA on NBC. You know, when you heard that, like everything in the world had to stop because we were trying to get in front of the TV um, and, and play and watch what the next player was going to do. Like we loved it. We enjoyed it. And this was like put in me like at my early high school age, you know. So I went through high school with that same work ethic. Um, had the opportunity to um, be a all-conference player, average 17.8 a game. Um, I played every position except for center, a um, little bit of point guard. Um, but I knew that with my height, I was like 5'11", um, 6 feet you know, tall. And so I knew going to college, I was going to probably end up playing point guard unless I went to a smaller school. So um, in high school, you know, it was so put in us that, you got to go D1, got to go D1, got to go D1. And so I, I wasn't getting any D1 looks. You know, I got a lot of letters um, from D1s and top schools, but never any letter of intent, which was the main thing I was looking for. And so um, I had a I had a situation where a Division II team offered me a scholarship. And then 24 hours later, they pulled it. Um, when I was ready, I committed was ready to fit, uh, sign everything, get it faxed back, um, was ready to commit, um, you know, to sign in, commit it verbally. But 24 hours later, they pulled it and gave it to a player that um, that they wanted, but the player went somewhere else, but it didn't work out. So they decommitted and committed to the school and the school pulled my scholarship. So I left a bad taste in my mouth. That was probably the only like scholarship offer that I received. And so um, Division Three at the time, mentally, I was like feeling like it was beneath me. Although now looking back, I wish I would have went to a D3 school and, and play because, you know, it wasn't taught us that you can play anywhere and, and make it to the pros back then. It was just all of, the emphasis was majorly on D1. It's all D1, 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 D1. And so that's one of the things that especially if there are athletes that are listening and more importantly, coaches that's preaching it. You know, it doesn't matter where you play, because if you light a fire, they're going to come and watch it burn. So if you plan and you're good, people in the pros are going to find you. And there's so many stories that are out there um, of people playing at low levels. But now they're in the NBA playing and they're superstars and they played at D3 and, and different things like that. So um, that's something that wasn't told me. Another thing that wasn't told me back then was, you know, it was so prevalent that you have to have 
one sport as an emphasis. So people was like, no, just focus on basketball because I was a football player and I love football. And I'll be honest, part of part of football makes me want to feel that that was my first love, but I didn't play it, you know, as long, but I loved it and I enjoyed it. So I, but I cut it off because basketball was like that thing back then for me. And so, you know, with your athletes, don't don't ever do that. You know, I I would I would say not to um, do that to them because you don't know what opportunities could be out there for them. I mean, I was I was good enough at football. I probably could have been in the NFL. And that's not to say it like, you know, everybody could say that. But I'm being honest, you know, especially with myself. That's something I, I mean, I, I ran a four three. Um, you know, I could jump out the gym. I was athletic. You know, um, I played on both sides of the ball, sixth, seventh grade, um, cornerback, wide receiver. Um, you know, so I, I did a lot of things. And so but in high school, you know, the coach wanted me to play, but I focused on basketball because that's what, you know, was told me I had to choose one. And so um, so going to college, you know, I, I didn't have all those opportunities, didn't have those scholarship offers. But Miami, Ohio, I got a strange letter letter in the mail and Miami, Ohio asked me academically, you know, was I still coming there? And, you know, they had this money for me because of my grades, because I had a I had a three point eight GPA. Uh, I had uh, I was 11th in my class when I graduated. I had the ACT scores, um, you know, so they had pretty much almost a full ride for me with the the addition of all the scholarships they were offering me. And, and plus the scholarships that I got after I uh, graduated from high school. And so they asked me, was I still coming? And I'm thinking like, well, there was no prior conversation of me talking to you about coming, but I was like, wow, well, this came out of nowhere. And so I called them, talked to them, um, talked to my parents. Like it was like a no brainer. Like, Hey, you don't have anywhere to go right now. You, you know, we were, we were holding out for sports, but nothing was happening. So it's like pretty much a free education. Uh, you know, I think that first year in Miami, I paid like $500, you know, it was, it was like a, a no brainer. And so, I ended up going to Miami for the first time, Miami, Ohio, and didn't even visit. It was just like, a, hey, this is where we going, you know. So I ended up going to Miami, and you know, the first thing I did when I got when I first knew I was going, I made a call to Miami um, to the basketball office because I can say academics it wasn't a real focus because it came natural, but I also worked hard too, and so. I got a 3.8 and I feel like I coasted through high school just because I handled my business. And then I went to play after that. I played ball after that, you know? Um, so, uh, first call I made was to the basketball office. Um, talked to Charlie Coles, my, my former head coach, um, the late great Charlie Coles and talked to him. And I said, Hey, I want to play, you know, my name is Lewis shine. This is what I've done in high school, you know? Um, and so he was like, hey, you know, the first thing you do when you come to school, you know, just stop by the office. So, man, I remember the first day I got to Miami. I believe it might have been the second day on because only because that first day, man, I cried. I got in my dorm room and I cried because, you know, I was like missing everybody. And I, that was my first time really being away other than going to five star basketball camp in Pittsburgh, which I had people there that I knew. That was my first time really completely being away uh, by myself. And so. You know, I went to the basketball office, talked to coach and, and coach was like, hey, you know, if you want to play on this team, um, you know, you probably need to start getting wherever the players are and playing with them. And so literally man, I had to track down some people. I found out where the players were going to be playing 
And it was a few times that I had to go to the court and wait for them to come around and, and then find out. But I found out. And so I let them know quickly, like, hey, you know, I'm, I want to be on this team. You know, I'm trying to hoop when y'all hooping. Let me know. And so um, literally um, I, I, I that's what I did. And so every time they played, I was there. Every time they worked out in the weight room, I was there. And this was preseason. So, um, you know, it came around to the point where now. You know, the regular season is going to start and those catalog hours are going to start. So I didn't know anything about that. I think I, I thought I was just about to roll up in there. You know, hey, I've been around the players much. They like me. I'm hooping. They know I can play. And it's like now uh, <laughs> it's time for practice. So I'm ready to roll up in there. And then coach was like, oh, hold on. Now you, you can't just roll up in here like that. Now you have to try out for the team. And I was like, oh, my God. OK. I was like, well, that's fine. That's fine. You know, so. He said, hey, tryouts are going to be on this day and they're going to be at 430 in the morning. So, I, you know, it didn't scare me. I mean, I, I think he was looking for my reaction, but it didn't scare me. And so I was like, cool. So, you know, two weeks before the tryouts, um, you know what I did, because I knew I, I already knew I got taught at an early age. I had to go over and above like I, I got taught at a young age that I had to do uh, what other people were not willing to do so that I can have what other people won't. Um, be willing to get, you know what I'm saying? So I, I was like, Hey, all right. So he told me trials were going to be at four 30 in the morning. It was like two weeks from there. I started getting up every morning. I'm, I might have missed maybe one morning due to like going to church or, or something. But for the most part, every one of those days I was up early. Um, and I was working out at four 30 in the morning. So I can remember one day going over to the arena and I was like, you know what? I got to get into this arena because if I'm going to work out that early, I want to work out exactly where I'm going to be uh, where the tryouts are going to be so I can get used to it. So I, I goes to the janitor and I was like, Hey, how do I get into this arena? Like at four 30 in the morning, are you going to be here? Anybody going to be here? And the janitor was like, Hey, I'm going to show you a door around the back. If you come in this door, it's always open. And so I was like, cool, you know, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. So man, um, I, uh, get up four 30 in the morning, two weeks before uh, tryouts, and I started going in that back door and I would go in, uh, go to center court at Millet Hall, put my uh, Fred Hammond pages of life on, listen to my Christian, my gospel music, get pumped up, pray. And then I would get up and I would work out on that floor floor. And, and literally, you know, I got used to the floor. I got used to being in that atmosphere of an arena because, you know, that's different from like a closed gym. And so I did it, man. And literally um, two weeks came. Tryouts came 430 in the morning. I'm 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 bright as a light. I'm excited, you know, and I got full of energy. And, and I know some cats probably gonna roll in there and and they just came from the club not too long ago and all that. But I, you know, I didn't really care. I just knew that I was gonna be prepared and I was gonna be the most prepared person in there. So I came in there, man, and I did my thing. I think there were like it was like two or three different tryouts. There was one, and then you got to make the next, and you got to make the next one. And so, man, literally, I came in there, man, and I showed out. I showed out. Uh, my jumper was falling. I was in shape. Um, uh, you know, I, I was doing my thing, and I mean, dunking on people. And I mean, literally, there was like 65 plus guys there. It was six, six guys, six, seven. Like there was real like like cats that just didn't get that look in high high school. But, you know, they could probably truly play on the team. And so I did my thing and I made the squad. And so I can remember like one of the first games that, um, 
you know, that I was a part of the team. I think it might have been the game after the Tennessee game. I think it might have been the Xavier game or something like that. But it was just amazing to be able to make the team. And, you know, um, you know, I played that year alongside of Wally Zerbiak and, and several other great players that have come through Miami. And I was uh, blessed to be a part of the Sweet 16 team. We went to the Sweet 16 that year. And uh, it was just amazing to be a part of that team um, and a part of that history. And so that was actually the only year in college I played. And um, I actually had another year that I could have played um, that I was actually, you know, pretty much on the squad. And, and you know, me and coach had a talk. I was a part of a, a, um campus ministry at the time. And I decided that because of my involvement in campus ministry and taking kids to church and athletes to church and different things like that and that conflicting with practices and games, I decided to do that. And so I stepped away from it and did that. Um, and so ended up graduating Miami. And, you know, of course, that basketball itch was still in part of my blood. And so I left there, played a, a year of minor league ball, you know, after uh, a 2004 summer of going all around the country, trying out, working out for teams, overseas camps. And, and so I, I got introduced to a lot of things during that time. Um, and so, you know, really understanding how this pro thing works but ended up landing on a squad um in denver colorado called the colorado storm a coach by the name of sheldon jones uh, picked me up and um he said he liked my attitude more than anything and i wasn't the best player in the gym but he liked my attitude so actually brought me out as an assistant coach and i had the opportunity to play after that um and you know i went from there to a team in louisiana called the louisiana cajun pelicans which was uh a offspring from the team in Denver because the team got bought out. And so a new franchise got started. So, you know, I got a chance to play that year. And, and some of you may know the ABA during that time was the D league before the D league came about. And, uh, you know, so there were several NBA players during that time, former players that played in that league. You know, I got a chance to play against Todd day, uh, Jimmy King, Oliver Miller, um, some other names, but it was just, it was a great league. And it had a lot of D one guys in there that graduated that didn't go overseas per se. And they, they, they played here domestically. So had an opportunity to experience that. Um, it was a great time. Um, the team that I played on was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, didn't exist after that first year because Katrina happened. And so, you know, I was back to square one had to go uh, into the hospital for some, some things going on with my heart, which was diet related. And so I was back at square one. I missed the tryouts and the workouts that, that, that following summer. And so, you know, real life kicked in, um, got to training athletes and just working. And um, fast forward from 2004, 2005, all the way to like 2011, this basketball journey, um, had an opportunity to play again. And uh, uh, there was a team that came to my town, um, minor league team, um, had a chance to play with them for several games and actually did some, uh, some uh, PR and marketing for the team as well. Um, that, that opportunity turned into me being a general manager um, for that same team. And um, that, that year after that, um, 2013, that team left town. And so from there, I had an opportunity to um, start my own team. You know, I really cared about the guys that were playing on the team and I really wanted to help them get somewhere. I really wanted to be a blessing to my hometown. So um, I um, started my own team, um, minor league team and um, had some su success over those years. Um, you know, of course, financially, you know, you have to be able to um, 
to do something like that, you know, it's, it's a challenge, you know? And so, um, because of that, you know, um, after my third year, I had to let it go. Um, I'm thankful for the years that I owned my team and I was a general manager team because I, you know, alongside of um, other people like head coach, Mark Anderson, who's the um, head coach of the um, Owensboro thoroughbreds in the TBL basketball league. Um, he, he coached for me for three years and, um, you know, he was, alongside of myself, one of the reasons that we helped so many guys get overseas and to higher jobs where now some of the guys are, are, are making the kind of money they can feed their families and live a life, you know, overseas. And so I'm just thankful to be a part of their lives. But that was really the highlight for me in, at that time, because I really wanted to help guys because, you know, going through the pro basketball ranks myself, you know, there's a lot of politics, there's a lot of different things. And there's gyms that I went into where I was one of the best players, but because, you know, the one guy was a hometown guy or, or, you know, they had money invested in somebody's surgery or, or whatever the case, you know, I was overlooked because I didn't have a, um, a, a four year full college resume, although I was one of the best players in, in the, in the, in the gym, you know, but I understand those things. So, you know, just being a part of it on my side and being able to be a team owner, um, I wanted to help guys that were in that situation that were overlooked, that didn't get the best opportunities, um, that um, they didn't get the looks because of some whatever reason. I wanted to help those guys. So to some of the guys that I, I chose to be on my squad um, and drafted them, they didn't get all the looks. But I saw something in them. I saw something that we were willing to develop and help them to get to the next level. And we did. And, and so I, I'm so grateful for that. Um, and so let my team go 2016. Um, didn't know what the next move was. And so I found myself in Dayton, Ohio, had an opportunity to go to Central State University with a friend to um, help train the men's and women's teams. And so I'm like, hey, what, what do I have to lose? I'll go over here, train them, get some stuff on camera and promote myself because I love training, love coaching, different things like that. And so um, did that. And one thing led to another, they were asking me to come back. And, and so at the time they, they didn't, they didn't have an open position on the staff, but you know, I was just grateful for the opportunity to continue to come. And during that time, I had an opportunity to coach a rec center team that, you know, it was tough because I was looking for a real gig, but this, this, this didn't pay, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And, and during that time, you know, it was really impressed on my heart to make sure when you coach this seventh, eighth grade rec center team, Make sure that you do it with all your might. So so literally, because, you know, I was taught a long time ago, when, when you do what you're doing with all your might, what you have in your hand, it will make way for other things to open for you because you're you're doing all you can do with the least with, with, with the smaller thing. And so the bigger things can open up to you. And so what I did was, I man, I went in there. You know, we had practices like college practices. <laughs> you know, I, I approached it like I was coaching in the NBA. I mean, even up to the game days, I would go in there and literally on game days, I would dress up. So I'll be on the sideline with my church shoes on with, with a, a blazer or a sweater vest, you know, and I would go in there with the whiteboard. I'm drawing plays. I'm I'm treating them like they're real players and not like they're kids. You know, I'm, I'm really trying to sow something into them and at the same time creating what I want my life to be at the time. So, you know, one of the things I will say to you all is if you find yourself in a place where you're not where you want to be, create what you want to be where you're at now. Live your dream at the level you are now. So sometimes you got to psych yourself out. You know, I wasn't coaching an NBA team, but I dressed up like I was an NBA coach 
And I went in there and I gave those kids a, a quality experience, although they were only in seventh and eighth grade. And I talked to them. And when they didn't understand, I, I took time to to help them to understand even more. And I would call them on the phone and talk to them and see how they were doing during the week and different things like that. And so that experience ended. And it was great. We I think we lost the championship by one point. And so um, after that, you know, I had to figure out what was next. And so ended up going home to Chicago to recoup and just work a little bit. And after that, um, you know, came back to Ohio and all of a sudden January turned and I got a call from Central State, um, the head coach of the women's team called me. Um, she let me know that, you know, she remembered the stuff I was doing. I was coming up to the school and helping out, um, offered me the assistant coaching position and I took it. And it was amazing. And, you know, it just shows that you never know like what you're doing, where it will come back to you in life. And so that's why you got to do it with all your heart and, and take opportunities. I wasn't asked to come and train, help train the team and to get any money. But I went over there anyway and it opened up an opportunity for me to be a coach over there. And so that's where my you know, I've been a head coach in the pros. I actually had the chance to be a head coach of the team that I was a general manager before I had my own team. I was also an assistant coach when I first started playing back in 2004. So I have the pro experience, but the college experience opened in 2017, February 1st. That was my first day. And I was a women's assistant basketball coach at the D2 level. And man, I approached that thing, you know, with all my might, you know, because of years of being in ministry, I had the opportunity to um, go in there with a servant, mentality and serve my head coach and do whatever she asked of me. Um, and my goal was to make her to, you know, help make her the, the coach of the year, which I feel like, you know, was a, a amazing thing that she got it. You know, she was coach of the year that year. And, and so it was just an amazing thing was able to come in there and be a part of the program and help out. We got a ring that year. We won the college. Um, we won the uh, conference championship that year. And so it was just an amazing feeling. But during that time, I, I, I literally went after it. I tried to learn all that I could to be the best assistant coach on, on the planet. Like I, I did everything I could to be the best that I could be for the program uh, with the kids, with individuals and different things like that. And so, you know, after that first year, um, you know, my coach took a leave of absence and let, which led to, you know, her not returning. And so I had an opportunity to be the acting head coach um, for 23 games. Uh, I went 18 and five. Um, there was a lot of things that happened during that time. You know, one of the things I'm most proud of is that, um, our, um, our, our, our team GPA was a three, um, 3.25. And so I, I really take pride in that because, you know, being there as the acting head coach and my coach, you know, stepping away from the game, I was the only coach, you know, in the day in and day out, I had, you know, another coach that was there assisting me, um, would come and help. Um, at practices and games and different things like that for a time. But um, for for most of the time, I was the only one in the office, you know, doing everything. I mean, literally, you know, you name it, laundry, <laughs> you name it, uh, study tables. I mean, literally, I'm sitting in a study table with the team every night, just making sure um, that the team, you know, is, is handling business, the day-to-day -day financial aid, different things, doing things on the ground, you know, and sometimes under the direction of the the former coach, which, you know, she was helping me a lot. And, um, but I was in there doing the day-to-day -day grind. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot because of that. Um, and, you know, the crazy thing was she taught me a lot before she actually left. She put me in situations where 
I had to do things, you know, whether it was financial reports and different things. She gave me the opportunity to learn to do those things without her help, uh, with with her help at first, but then without her help to see how I would do. And then she would critique me on it and she would help me, you know. So, um, you know, that 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 year of being the acting head coach, you know, I just had an opportunity to tie all that together and literally, you know, work it out on my own. And, uh, you know, um, just being a study table, like I say, that was one of the biggest things because we had a great team GPA, like everybody was eligible, you know, and had great grades. I think we might've had two of our ladies that were under a 3.0. And so I take great pride in that because I was a high academic student and I know how much that meant. And so, um, you know, with RPI these days as well, um, you know, you, you have to, um, make sure that, you know, everything is tight, you know, in terms of your academics. And so, um, but so that was one of the things. And then the other thing that um, is a big deal for me is the fact that we broke a lot of records that year. I mean, literally, we were top 10 in the nation in several categories, including steals, turnovers forced. Um, we were high up there in three point defense because you know, I hate it when teams were shooting a lot of three pointers. We try to shut that down. Um, another stat that we were top in the nation uh, we were actually fourth in the nation was offensive rebounds and um, we you know that's something that I put um, in on purpose and with the players recruited and, and just how they how our tactic as far as going to the rebounds uh, going to the boards it was a big deal you know so that year was a major year you know I started out the year believing that we could win the 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 um, championship, the, the actual national championship, because we did so well the year before, won the conference championship, lost in the conference tournament championship game uh, by one point to Clark Atlanta at the buzzer. And so that next, um, I'm sorry, that one point it was Benedict that we played that year. Um, and it was like, man, like, I was like, wow, we could do better. And so, you know, I just wanted to really amp that up that next year and um push the push the push the deal push the envelope and so one of the things that I did on every single thing that I passed out to the players and this is where I believe in vision um you know I I put a national championship trophy on everything you know in the beginning people thought I was crazy you know cuz that's like well, how how the heck is that going to happen how how will that happen at this kind of school but you know my thing is you have to be willing to go for the top like why do coaching why play ball why do anything if you're not trying to max it out because here's the thing like i found out long time ago with coaching it's a different kind of job and you're you're giving your all to this job and it's not like you can clock in clock out you done for the day you don't you don't think about it again till tomorrow no it's 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 a all consuming it's a special kind of job you give you you give a piece of yourself to it so if i'm going to do all that if i'm going to take the time to do that. If I'm going to take the time to be at these meetings, all these film sessions, player follow-ups, planning workouts, doing the workouts, planning individuals, doing the individual workouts for the entire 15 man roster. If I'm going to do all that, then I might as well go all the way. Cause to me, it's like, I'm wasting my time. If I'm going to just kind of go through this half, half speed, you know, halfway, it's like, why do that? So I'm like, Hey, we could do this. So I knew that casting the vision had to be a piece of the puzzle. And so I said, you know what? Um, I learned from Pat Riley. I read this article about Pat Riley saying that he put um, 
he put an emphasis on visual things. And so um, he would, when he first, you know, took over at the Miami Heat, he put uh, the championship trophy in the middle of the floor on the carpet, as well as in the backdrop of each locker, because he knew that when people see things, they can't stop it from going into their, 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 their eyes. Like when you see it, you saw it. And so the more you see it, even subconsciously, it's going in there and it's doing something. And so that's one of the things that he did. And, and literally like three years after that, they won a championship. But that's not the only thing he did. But that was one of the things that added to building that championship culture and awareness on the inside of the players. And so I put this trophy up in the locker room. I put it on my screensaver. I put it on everything that I sent them. I even had it on a piece of paper. And after practice, we would pass it around and and. I said, what do you think? Do you think we can? You think we can't like you have to get that discussion started. And so literally all season that was that was preached. And so towards the end of the season, things started to happen. Like we were first in the conference pretty much all year. And um, the conversations was like, man, maybe we can do this, you know, because at that point we were starting to get national accolades. We we ended up being ranked in the in the in, in the uh, South region for the first time in school history starting at number eight. And then we were climbing after that. And so um, things were um, pretty amazing. Things started to happen that had never happened, you know? And so, um, you know, they started to believe that. So I had a really good time being a a acting head coach that year. And so um, after that year, um, that led me to my job as a associate head coach at Winthrop university. Um, And I was a part of a team there, you know, made history, um, you know, uh, I was a part of bringing, helping to bring the team back to where um, on the course that it was before, um, you know, the previous three years um, before I, I got to Winthrop, um, they had only won nine games total in a span of three years. And so I was able to come in and be a part of um, helping a uh, um, legend, um, Coach Lynette Woodard, um, to 10 wins last season. Um, and you know, it was more wins than they had won in the last three years put together. So just, uh, was a part of helping turn that, that ship around. And then, um, September of this year, I stepped away from the game. Um, I wanted to just take a, take another step and go in another direction. Um, and here I am helping coaches, um, helping teams, helping players, it's something that I love to do because, um, being, a part of the game for so long and um, all together 25 plus years of experience, whether that's coaching, whether that's playing, whether that's being involved in pro sports, I've 25 plus years. And so I want to take that, um, you know, what I have learned from being on the court, off the court, coaching, everything put together. And I want to help programs. I want to help coaches. I want to help players. And, and, and the part of that's in on the inside of me, um, that I want to highlight is the fact that I want to help, you know, programs, coaches, players that want to be the best. Like, you know, like I say, doing this thing is it's not you can't take it for granted. You know, this is something this is a space that sometimes the the the, the positions that you're in, whether you're a coach or player listening, man, people would die to be in that same position you know, but you're there. And so make a difference, you know, and, and sometimes making a difference in is, isn't winning, but sometimes when you're winning, you have an open door to make a difference as well, because, you know, winners, people like winners, you know? And so it's not, like I say, it's not to say that you can't make an impact as a, as, as a coach that's not winning, but, you know, we play games to win and there's a score for a reason. And so, 
why not try to be the best? And so my thing is I like to help on the court, off the court. So if you're a player, there's things you can do on the court and off the court to make you your best. As a coach, there's things you can do on the court, off the court to make you your best. As a program, there's things that you can do that's completely basketball related. And there's things that you can do that is not related with basketball that can help you win on the court. And so I I like to help highlight those things by way of motivational speaking, by way of coaching calls on the phone, um, by way of um, developing templates, which some of them I have on my website um, that you can take advantage of. That's going to help you to do your job better. Um, Also, um, I have trainings. I have a webinar that just released that's called New and Aspiring Coaches. It's a uh, three video webinar that comes with um, three PDFs that to go with each video um, that walks any coach that's new and aspiring or just wants to listen to gain more knowledge. It walks you through um, my um, my life of being an aspiring coach. And then my example of when I was a coach, and then it also walks you through my example of when I was a coach, but I wanted to move up to a higher level. And so it's filled with tips and different things that will help you in your journey if you find yourself in that place. Um, So I I have different things like that on my website that, you know, I just want to offer to help um, coaches and and teams. And um, eventually I'll have some things on there with players, but I do have um, some different things that I offer with players in terms of like training and on court, things like that and mentoring. Um, So yeah, I just want to help in this space because I've been in this space for so long. You know, I feel like I have a lot to offer. I don't know everything, but what I do know and what I do have and the success I have um, um, in those areas and playing and coaching and having a team and owning a team and being a head coach of a team and winning championship as a player and a coach. Like I want to use what I know and what I've been successful at to help um, coaches, players, teams, um, programs. Like I, I want to do that. And so that's, that's my journey now. Um, and that's what I am currently uh, doing. And it's been fun so far. It's been fun connecting and, and linking up with the coaches and programs and and so excited because, you know, to see the fruit of some of the things that are happening and being able to go to a program and then hearing feedback from a coach as to the co- the program using some of the knowledge that I gave them. And, and now they're seeing success. Um, that's a major thing for me. And so I'm so excited about that. And so um, that's what I do personally. Um, and in terms of this podcast, and we're going to wrap up here in a few minutes um, in terms of this podcast, you know, I want to bring some of those things to light where I can actually talk about some of those things. But I also want to have real life people um, that are in those situations and programs or have had success um, as a player, have had success as a coach, have had successes running a program um, and even success at other areas. I want to bring them on here so that the listeners, the, the sports fanatics, the, the coaches, the players, the, the athletic directors, whoever you may um, may be that. You know, you have a a love for basketball. You can listen to this and you can get something out of it, something that you can take a perspective that you can take a wisdom nugget that you can take and you can take it back to, um, you know, employ it in whatever sector of basketball pro sports that you're currently working in. And so I love ball. And this podcast is going to be about ball. It's going to be about sports. It's going to have people on here and we're going to be spitting knowledge, knowledge to help people that's listening. So um, just wanted to get this first one started. Um, Hope you enjoyed that. That's that's all about my basketball life. Um, You know what I've talked about today from 
uh, from beginning till now because it's not the end because there's so much left to come. And so I hope you got something out of it and enjoyed it. Um, but I promise you, I promise you going forward um, in the episodes that you're going to hear, there's going to be sweet. It's going to have some great special guests on it. Um, it's going to be an amazing thing. And so make sure that you um, keep tuned into this podcast. Um, make sure you keep it on your on your phone. Um, and at the touch of a button where you can push it and listen to it uh, whenever I drop a new episode. I'm going to give you all the information for it, too. So right now, make sure that you um, go to my website, lewisshine.com. That's L-E-W-I-S-S-H-I-N-E.com. And on there, you can find all the information you need. If you just click on podcast, um, it'll give you all the information you need um, um, starting here in the next few days about um, where, where can you find it? Who's going to be on there? Um, and when can you tune in the times and dates to expect a new episode? So, um, it's going to be an amazing thing. And also, um, you can follow me on, on social media. I would love to connect with you. Um, at Lewis shine on every, um, platform that's at L E W I S S H I N E. You can also find, um, my podcast, um, as well as my social media on my website, just click on podcast or social media and you can find every way to contact me. So man, until get to, um, until next time. Um, thank you guys uh, so much for listening in. Um, I'm excited to take this journey with this podcast to link up with any of you that might want to link up. Um, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. And it's going to be a great listen every time. So till then, um, look forward to you listening to my next one. Look forward to being with you guys on the next one. And we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>